Hey, it's your boy Luan, back again with another episode of Get Biz, Do Biz, Get Paid. Today I have a very special guest. Uh, I would call he's an in, uh, integrated coach, integrated coach, uh, SOP specialist, uh, a father, a husband, and many more things. Welcome to the show, Thomas Keenan. Thank you, sir. Good to see you here and connect. You know, you and I, uh, we've met in person at a couple events, and I know... Uh, a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Brian Diamond, he speaks highly of you, and that's all I need to know, man. He says good things. I was like, all right, cool, we got you. Um, and we do, we, you and I both do business with some of the same people uh, that support our teams, which I think is awesome as well. Uh, so tell the listener or tell me something that uh, I might not know about you. Uh, listeners may not know about me. Um, I used to be a diehard motorcycle head and uh, loved motorcycles as a kid growing up. Got to the age where I could afford them. You know, I was working my butt off as a car audio installer many, many years ago, and I did that for a long time. I uh, started making some money and went out and bought a motorcycle, and I crashed it the first season I had it. Uh, I almost died, and my dumbass went out uh, three weeks later and bought two more. <laughs> and um one of them I crashed, and one of them was a was a, a quad and ATV, and I kept that for a while. But I got the I got the street bike repaired, and the street bike and the quad that I had, plus all the riding gear that I had had with it too, I packaged it up and sold it, and that was the money I used to start my first business. Wow! Wow! What's uh, what's your first business? Uh, you said For, car, car yeah, audio. Yeah, car called? audio. So the company was called Exquisite Mobile Electronics. Uh, I was living in New. I'm born and raised in New York, Long Island, New York, and um, <clears throat> I was, man, I think I was either 20 or 21 years old when I did that. Um, and I, I, I told the story before. I'll tell it again. But I got to the point working for someone else, where it was like, hey, I know I can do a better job than this guy. And from like the technical aspect of it, from from actually you know being an installer or a technician, yes, I could. I, I knew more than a guy did. Uh, but what really kicked me in the ass, and I had no idea it was coming, was I didn't know a damn thing about business. And I was I was good enough at the role at the position of being the installer where the business was able to to kind of take off a little bit and do its thing. But I mean, I was just drowning when it came to the business ownership side of things. And I think it was just before the five-year anniversary, I went up throwing the towel in, in that company and 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 like check off first massive failure as a young adult, you know, started a business, crashed it right into the ground as hard as I could. And um, it hurt, man. It was really painful. Um, so 21, you had that business for five years. So uh, what was that experience teach you in terms of uh, what you do today? I didn't learn this lesson until many, 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 many years later. Um, but the the lesson here was, and I, I still think it applies, right? I look, you're in the trades, right? You guys build decks. You'll understand what I'm about to say here. Doing the work. And when I say doing the work, I'm talking about the fulfillment side of the work, building the deck, uh, building the speaker enclosure or installing the amplifier, uh, you know, installing the stairs on the deck, like any of that technical installer shit, 
which is mandatory for the business to operate because that's the service we provide. That's if this is where we apply Pareto's principle, the 80 20 rule. That's 20% of your business and about 20% of your focus needs to be there. And I had it completely backwards. I had 80 or 90% of my focus on the technical because that's where I was comfortable. That's where I, I excelled because I had done it for so many years. I was, I was comfortable there. Ooh. Right. So why, why go sit in the uncomfort, which is really what's going to drive the business. I, I just had, I had a flip-flop for a number of years. And even when I started my second company for the first five years of the second company, I still had it flip-flop because I was, I didn't know what I didn't know. Ooh. So, so you say, you say something is funny and I, I, I talk about this on plenty of podcasts and plenty of Facebook posts or, you know, that doing the work is just one fifth of the equation, right? That's just production. Mm -hmm. uh, you're missing marketing, sales, recruiting, SOP operation. Mm -hmm. uh, the other eighty percent, which really is, uh, is going to drive the business forward, and that's so true. And I see this a lot in the trade. You know, like uh, guys been doing it for over a decade, man, 10, 15 years, still still hauling material. Now that's uh, sometime every once in a while shit needs to get done. I get that, yeah. but uh, but you those who busy doing the work would not have time to make money. Yeah, you they know? don't have time to think and make the high level decisions. Um, it, it's it's funny, man. It's funny you say that because I I have a rule in business, and this is this is this applies especially those first couple of crucial crucial years you're in small business and you'll get this too the rule is we do whatever the fuck's required to make things happen so if one of your guys calls in sick and the only way to get the materials from the from the uh warehouse or wherever you're purchasing them them from the the wholesaler if if the only person available is you to get them from from the warehouse to the job site you go and you get it done is that the best and highest use of your time? Absolutely not. But if we if we give a customer or a client our word and we say, hey, we're going to be there tomorrow at 10 a.m. and we're going to have the project finished by, let's call it, if today is Monday, we'll have this thing wrapped up and done by Friday at 3 p.m. for you. If I'm going to tell you that and put my word behind it, you're damn straight sure that I'm going to be there. Even if it requires me revamping my schedule or me coming out into the field to make sure that it happens. Like, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's the responsibility of being the owner. In my opinion, you don't want to continuously operate there because you'll get stuck in this, in the vicious cycle of being a small business owner. And I think a lot of people fall into that trap, but if you can get yourself out of there and you can start focusing on the bigger stuff, building the SOPs, building the team, what does the future team look like? What about what are our targets and goals for this upcoming year? Like, what are we trying to accomplish as a company? If we start thinking about it as if we're this bigger corporation rather than, oh, hey, I'm just Tom the car stereo guy. I'm just Luan the the, the deck installer. Like that that's a limiting mindset. And like I had to overcome that myself. I'm sure you did too. But once you start seeing things through that different lens, and we start seeing things through a different lens through mentors, coaches podcasts, like listening to podcasts, uh, audiobooks, reading books, attending events, that kind of stuff is really what opened my eyes to this different way of thinking, this different mindset, which also breeds infinite possibility. 
Mm, mm, so good, man. So you talk about uh, going to event, listening to podcasts, uh, you know, talking to mentor, hiring mentor. So to me, all of this stuff plays into like you have to change the people you surround yourself with. Uh, it's almost like if you want a different result, you have to go talk to different people that will, has already been there and done it. And um, and it's happened to me, uh, you know, personally, it, this happened to me a couple of years ago. I was barely doing a million dollars and a million dollars in construction is it's peanuts. It's nothing compared to some of these roofers that doing like 30, 50, 100 millions. But uh, I went to a convention that had guys that were doing 30, 50, 100 million. I'm like, huh. Like I was lost, but then I wasn't. You know, I'm like, you know what? Wait a minute here. You know, if he can do it. Why can't I? Why can't I? You know, it's like, you know, these people, I can touch them. I can shake their hand. You know, as far as I know, they still, you know, they're still normal people. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, that was the, the, the mindset shift for me. It's like, you know what? Like these guys, they talk the way they talk is like different. They're like, fuck everything, bro. Fuck everything. Just, just buy all the system. Fuck it. You don't have to come up with anything. Just buy it all. And, you know, just hire people in. I'm like, you know, but they talk as of it as if it's a matter of fact. It's already happened. I'm like, what do you mean buying a system? You mean I don't have to write it? Yeah. Uh, you know, you mean I don't have to do any of this? You, I, I just hire people to go do this shit for me. They're like, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. And we're running like 10 truck, this, 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 that. And I'm like, so that's where the, I think that's where the real magic happened. Not necessarily the speaker. Yeah. Because, like, if I sit down there and I listen to a lecture, I'd probably tune out in about 20 minutes. But it's the, in the hallway, yeah. seeing the, seeing the attendance, um, you know, seeing attendance, talk to them and, uh, you know, asking them about what they've been through. And I mean, it's just amazing that, uh, and then I went home. I'm like, you know what? I want to scale my company because the dudes say that, uh, you can hire sub. They do say that you can do this. They do say that you can do this. So I, we have been performing everything in house, you know, hiring one guy, hiring one guy, hiring one guy. And I went back home. I'm like, well, I need a team. If we want to scale, I need sub. Mm. So then I thought that we would never be able to do it until we did it. Mm. And then, so we went from one crew to three crew. And this year we went to five crew and next year we go to seven crew. So it's like, it, it's, it's crazy, man. It's, uh, it's just surrounding yourself with, the with the people. You still have to do the work. You do. Yeah. You know, so talk to me a little bit about, um, you say you work in the uh, automotive industry and I was one time I, I got really into it. I, I was really into the car audios. Very detailed industry. Oh, yeah. Very detail-oriented. Very, like, A to B, A to A, this wire to that wire. So tell me, how did that working as a technician there, how does that translate into the SOP work? Yeah, it uh, it totally programmed me to do what I do now. In a good way. Like, not in a bad way. Um, <clears throat> you know, I grew up in a family where attention to detail was very important. 
my mom and uh, she had she had two brothers and both of my uncles were in the automotive space as well. One was a mechanic and owned a used car dealership. The other one owned an auto body shop. And growing up as a kid, like I spent hours and days and weeks working with these two grown men. And they kind of gave me the basics and I got to understand things and work on cars and 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 like really, literally get my hands dirty. And I also realized like, wow, I like working on cars, but I don't like this kind of work. And I had always been someone who loved music. And I, I uh, was hanging out with a kid who was a couple of years older than me who happened to be a musician. And we were driving, you're young kids and you know, you're not 18 or, or you're, you're at that in-between stage between 18 and 21. You really can't go do anything. And what do you do? You drive around endlessly, aimlessly. You have no place to go. We're just going to drive around and bang around the neighborhood for a little while. So I'm doing something with this kid in this car and I've never heard music as loud and clear as what's going on in this kid's car. <laughs> He's like, uh, so we, we're done. He drops me off at home. He pops his trunk open. Cause I asked him like, what, what is this? Like I had never experienced it at this point. And he had a, he had a, a Clarion radio head unit, real high end one. And it was like an 87 Toyota Corolla, like shit brown color. It was the ugliest car I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and he didn't have anything crazy in there. He had an amplifier in the trunk, a little tiny Sony amplifier, a little gold thing. And in the back deck of the car, he had two six by nines, like two pioneer six by nines. And, you know, it it just rocked my world. And like, I instantly fell in love when I made the connection that I could put music together with cars. Mm. And, Mm. um, I just went, I went in head first and started reading and learning all I could on it. I eventually went to trade school. I went to multiple trade schools for it. And the stuff that I was learning at the trade schools and what, what really brought me into it, because I love working with my hands. I love woodworking. I love metalwork. I like working with plastics. I like working with composites. Uh, I liked doing auto body work, but I didn't want to fix dents in cars, if that makes sense. Mm. And this, this, this industry gave me the ability to put all of these trades into one. Because mm. you come in, you drop your car off, and we're going to do a high-end audio system, and you're going to spend 10, 15, 20, 30 grand with me, Cool. I got to know electrical really well because mm. we're dealing with some high value stuff here because the gear we're putting in your car is expensive and the ride that you're coming in with for the most part is probably going to be a pretty, pretty nice ride. I have to know automotive because I, I got to take your car apart and put it back together the right way. Right. Um, I have to know plumbing, right? Because oftentimes we're doing stuff that involves running airlines. Like if we're doing, because it's it's beyond just car audio, the stuff that I was doing too. We're doing a lot of stuff, suspension work and, and just customizing cars overall. So you have to learn a little bit about all these trades. And then my favorite place to be was actually in the fabrication room. Mm. I like to build. I like I like cutting wood and I could do cool things with wood still to this day. Like it's 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 a skill and a trade that you learn. It's like riding a bike. It, you, ne- you never get rid of it. Mm. The thing with the and I'm, deck buildings like this too, because I'm not an expert deck builder, but I've put a couple together in my day. Okay. There's a process that you have to follow, right? Like you gotta, you gotta basically uh concrete in all your 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 poles and stuff, your four by fours, your six by sixes, right? And they gotta be square and plumb and all that crap. And then you're going to start laying all your your cross beams or whatever. I don't know what the term is here for it. I'm not a deck builder, right? And then you're going to lay like all your planks and stuff. Then you're going to put your stairs on and, and do all your railings. Like there's a step by step process to do it. 
And the same thing with, with cars. So we have the whole sales process, figuring out what we're going to do with the vehicle, the design process. Cool. We got to go ahead. We get the green light. The car comes in. And the first thing we have to do is we got to, we got to break it down. Like I have to disassemble your car to do it properly. And like, you're probably not going to be comfortable with the level of disassembly that I'm going to put your car through. <laughs> okay. So we take this thing apart. Then we got to start prepping it. So we're, we're, we're putting down like sound prep, sound deadening material. So the car is, is quieter and sounds better when we're done. Less road noise. Um, then we're running all the cabling. Then, then we start. And this is like, if you've ever done work inside of a, a house, like home renovation, this is a very familiar process there too. Like tear the mm-hmm. walls apart. Put the new framing up, the, the uh, new studs and whatnot. After the framing, now you're doing your plumbing and your electrical. Same thing in the car. So now when the car is all open, now I'm running all my electrical and stuff back and forth. Then I'm mounting my components. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're mounting the speakers in the door. We're, we're, we're mounting the actual amplifiers in their, in their locations. Okay, cool. What's the next? Okay, start putting this thing back together. Mm. So now we're putting the drywall on the walls, right? Insulation and drywalls up. And now it's starting to look like a home again, mm. right? Now the car is starting to look like a car again. And then from there, all right, cool. Well, what finished panels do we have to build? What, what's the subwoofer enclosure going to look like? Is it going to involve any, any lighting or any plexiglass? Is it going to be wrapped in carpet, vinyl? Are we going to do aluminum inserts? Like, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blank canvas for an artist too. And I just absolutely loved it because it was a very step-by-step process. And my whole point here, going into the long-winded version of the story, if one of those steps is out of order, like you totally fuck yourself. Right? So like, <laughs> one of the most common things in, in the car stereo industry, someone comes to us and they're like, hey, I want to do a bass amp in my car. I want, I want some boom. Cool. We install this bass amp and most bass amps come with a telephone cable right? That plugs into the amp and the other end plugs into an adjustable bass knob. So Mm. you can control the volume from the driver's seat, Mm. independent of the volume on the radio. Cool feature. Great. It really sucks when you've put the entire car back together and you realize that you forgot to run the bass knob cable. It's it's double labor. It's double labor, right? And it's the same deal, you know, in decking, like, oh, okay, cool. We, we just put all the planks across, but we forgot to do this step before. Well, what do you do? Start ripping them up and get back at it. So now you're wasting materials, you're wasting time, labor, all that. Building the processes in the business directly correlates to that. Because mm. in my experience, uh, being kind of green behind the ears and not knowing business, thinking that, oh, this is the next step, you go and you take it. And then Three months later, you learn more about it from someone who is an actual expert, and you realize that you did it in reverse. Mm. And in order to go fix the problem to make it right, you got to go back in and tear apart everything you did or start mm. from scratch again. Mm. I, I Marketing for me, like, I, I'm, I'm still a student of marketing to this day, and I always will be. And I think that should be the case for any business owner. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but marketing has, has steps you need to follow if you want to do it correctly. Like I banged up so many CRMs when I first started learning marketing, like uploading data lists the wrong way because I didn't have the columns on the CSV file mapped correctly. Mm. Right. So, oh, wow. So I just uploaded 500 contacts to the CRM and their last name is in the first name place and the email is in the phone number place. Well, how do we oh, fix that? Fuck. Right. 
Right. So <laughs> the only way that I knew how to fix it at that time was to go in one by one and manually update it, which, you know, knowing it now, like that's not the way you do it. You just delete that thing and start over again. Yep. <laughs> uh, but there, there's so many correlations from from the, my time working with my hands in, in the automotive space that translate over to actually working on and building the business. Wow. So, man, that's that's so good. So people say, uh, people always say, Past experience influ- influence future decision. So even if the if the experience was not good, also we think at, at 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 that point in time because we can only see about two three feet in front of us. But then when we get to like like now, for example, for me now now I get to like deck building and marketing and um, especially marketing. Right? I'm like, you know what? I did that in another industry. And it worked very well. Yeah. Why don't I just adopt that right now and see what happens? Works even better because it's a it's an outside industry knowledge. Bingo. That nobody in the industry has done yeah. done it yet. So uh uh same same thing with marketing, right? Yeah. Like uh it's uh everybody think think about marketing. I, I think everybody, almost ninety percent of the people in the in the in my space, think about marketing in the wrong way. Hmm. Think they can just pay twenty thousand, and they they get X amount of lead, and from that X amount of lead, hmm. you you uh, do your conversion or whatever, you spit out hmm. X amount of deal. But yeah, that's good, you know. But it's it's very linear. There's no there's no quadratic, you know, growth to that. And you know, to to build a business, you you need some sort of like um, uh, quadratic growth, like word of mouth uh, or referral, because those are free, right? So when you're spending Google Ad SEO, to the point, it's gonna have diminishing return. And it's but if you can do the other stuff right, then it's gonna bring those down. It's gonna make your growth grow like that, and then. Uh, and people ask me, well, how how you do that? I'm like, you have a good product. I mean, you can't market a shit product, first of all. So, uh, and second of all is building relationship, which is, you know, uh, a lead. This is not a lead. That's somebody that having a problem uh, on the other side that yep. your business is trying to solve. So looking at that lens, I'm thinking, okay, so the people, they say generally in any industry, people buy from you after they have four to seven interaction with you. So if you're buying a cold lead or you're buying a Google lead or pay, pay ad or whatever, and you're not doing any brand building, right? That's only one impression. Yes. So now you get into the home and that's why people have price objection. That's why people have all this objection. That's why it's so hard for them to convert. Well, because the leads are cold, you need to, you know, warm them up a little, little bit more. And uh, and so my goal is, how can I have seven to ten brand impression point before I even set foot into the house? Yeah. And yeah. and then and then you 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 know. You know, in the in the integrated world, this is done to CRM and gifting and uh, basically generate a 
the buzz in the backdoor channel, a Facebook group, Nextdoor group. And that's how people make decisions now. Nowadays, I, I saw my wife the other day. Yeah, she, she was wanting to buy, uh, I don't know, something stupid. Uh, <laughs> uh, I forgot what it was, but it's it's minor, right? It's Christmas light. Yeah. So West Omaha, mom, squad, go on there. Who, who do you use mm-hmm. for blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then you got all these lists. And then she called a few of them. One of them ended up working out. And it's like, you know, but if you're doing it, if you put your own name in there, it's not going to be believable than if somebody else does. No, it's edification. You got somebody yeah. else who's saying, yeah, this is the person to go do. And yeah. that that in and of itself is a marketing strategy. Right. And then yeah. uh, you can do that with your ex-client. You know, you just got to be on top of mind. Because uh, uh, yeah. most of the time, people do, do a job for, for a client. Say they do siding, gutter, and roofing. Um, they do siding. Good. You know? And then later on, they drive by. Well, fuck. They got new windows. Yeah. But they didn't buy it from me. Mm-hmm. Well, they forgot who you are, bro. Yeah. Gotta yeah. <laughs> That's the beauty of the CRM, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people fail here. So it's like we work really hard to get that one sale, Right cool, we get the sale, we do the work, the fulfillment, right? The technical part of this thing. Cool, we collect the money. Customer's happy, they're satisfied. Maybe they even leave us a five-star Google review. Awesome. And then we drop them like a bad habit because we're too focused on generating the next lead. Whereas from the marketing perspective, there should be some form of long-term nurture going out from the CRM and Facebook and all your your organic social media marketing there, where we're continuously staying in front of these people on the long term. So when they do say, when the guy's wife says, because that's how it goes, when the guy's wife says, hey, babe, I think we need some new windows. He goes, oh, you know what? I just got an email from Deck Bros. I wonder if those guys do windows. Let me reach out. And you know what? Even if you don't do windows, that's still another touch point you're having with that client. That's another opportunity for you to say, how's the deck going that we put up for you two seasons ago? You want the crew to come by and just give it a once over and make sure everything's good? I'll gladly do that for you too. And then you you're, you guys show up, even though you don't do windows, I'm just making some stuff up here. Maybe you do, right? Even though you don't do windows, your crew shows up just to do a, or you even show up to do a quick basic deck inspection, make sure everything's good to go. And while you're there, you realize that they need, you know, a set of stairs built on the other side of the house. Oh, oh yeah. Cool. And now boom, there's another five, six, $7,000 sale for you or more, right? This is the way it works. I got a buddy of mine, um, owns two businesses. One of them is a roofing company, and one of them is um, he does commercial landscaping for like Chase Bank and stuff, like like big companies like that. Uh, him and one of his team members were walking a job site for the landscape company, and it was after a pretty gnarly storm had come through. And they were walking through, and and they were doing an inspection with the managers of this this branch. And as they're walking through, they found a shingle in the bushes. 
picked up the shingle and on the shingle was a hail imprint. So hail hit it and banged it up. So he says to the guys like, Hey, um, you know, we do roofing too. You, you want me and the crew to go up on the roof and just inspect it to make sure like it's okay. And he did went up on the roof, went up doing an inspection, found massive hail damage, put through a claim with, with the insurance company. And it was his biggest roof replacement to date because he was on site and found a shingle in the bushes. Right. Uh, it's so crucial uh, that um, I, and, um, and I tell people this all the time, yeah, especially in a, in a competitive world like us, like you're not the only game in town, right? And and I, I've seen this again in my own experience. When I won a call, I had um I had an electrical issue. So I went up and I want my shit to work, you know. I went up Google say emergency electrician. Call the first guy, motherfucker don't pick up, call the second guy, call the third guy. I'm a call until I get one guy. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's the first interaction of um, any business is going to have with you. Well, why don't you man the phone? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you can't, then have somebody that specifically call people back. So I, that's the one one procedure or SOP or KPI that you can track yeah. that if you can reduce that to under 30 seconds, your business will grow mm-hmm. automatically without even changing any of the back end process first. Yeah. So that's one. And the second one is, uh, okay, uh, so if you're doing a job in the neighborhood, why don't you go knock five doors? Mm-hmm. It, you don't have to say, oh, man, hey, hey, you know, like, uh, I'm just out here checking on Mr. Smith, the project. You know, if, 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 if our crew were to have any nails or anything, you know, in your yards, give me a call. I will personally come here and, you know, take yep. care of you. So it's just getting your brand out there, mm-hmm. not a branding your side, you know. Um, and then because the money will be made on the back end, I'm a firm believer it. The client come to my ecosystem. I always joke with them. This is not the last time you're going to hear from me, Mr. Smith. This is not the last time you're going to hear from me. One, I think one neighborhood, we did six houses mm. in the same street because this person tell this person, tell that person. Yeah. But because I was on them. So, so then the one of the biggest costs. The biggest cost in construction lead generation, uh, yeah, it's lead gen because no, well, you know, you know, I actually don't have time to do any. I'm like, yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. You you are already doing it. Yeah, you are already on the job side. You are already calling people. You are already have you have a CRM or you have some sort of database that you already put people in. You already have all that stuff. So if you can fix that stuff, like. Wouldn't you want your marketing cost to be three percent rather than twelve, ten, ten, twelve percent, and take that money and go hire a lead handler? Oh my God, you know. Uh, so uh, that's crazy, man, crazy. So, so you did. I saw that you did seventy-five hard a few times. It's funny that you say that. Uh, today is day one for my third round. Okay, so third time, 
So what does mental toughness mean to you? Can you mm. uh, can you kind of describe that? that because... uh, doing the uncomfortable shit when you want to go and just be comfortable. Oh. Doing it's like you are you've you've committed to something that is not normal, right? Only weirdos and nut jobs do this, by the way. Um, and I'm going to intentionally put myself through hard things and I'm going to overcome them each time that I get in front of that hard thing. That's mm. mental toughness. Mm. So how, how does mental toughness uh, translate into business building? Well, <laughs> or, or life in general? Yeah. Um, Life and business are uh, interact. They 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 are intertwined. They they're not completely independent of each other. They're just not okay. Life and business will throw curveballs at you all the time. And if you're in a, a cushy situation right now where everything's good, mm-hmm, it's gonna come. May not be today. May not be tomorrow. Shit. May not even be next year. But trust me, it's going to come. It's just the way it works. So if we can intentionally put ourselves through the hard shit now, which builds the mental toughness, the tenacity, the uh, mindset to overcome, the mindset to adapt, be flexible, right? If we can build that when we don't necessarily need it for survival purposes, when it is time when shit really hits the fan and we do need it to survive, or to overcome mm. challenges. It's not going to be that hard. Like, ah, mm. I've already mm. faced this battle. Mm. So this is just another day at the office for me. Mm. And what I found is like, as your business elevates, you have to elevate as a human being self-development wise. Otherwise you can't lead it any further than what it currently is at. But the same thing happens with the mental toughness aspect. What it's like, it's like, um, uh, you're wearing, you're wearing out buddy Mark Z's shirt right here. Right. Like when you start working out with Mark Z or working out with any trainer for that matter, and Mark Z is just my favorite, by the way, he's my one of my best friends. Um, it's hard. But you keep going week after week, month after month, quarter after quarter, year after year, and your workout that was hard last year is now your everyday shit, and it's a warm-up. The same thing happens with the mental toughness. So um, stuff that used to derail me, two, three, four, five years ago. Now I kind of just wake up and if it hits me, you kind of just brush it off. I've already been through this before. No big deal. And, and you go about your day. Right. And this is also where I think a lot of experience and wisdom comes from, right? You, you have to have these experiences. You have to go through some shit as a human being in order to test yourself. And sometimes you're not going to win. Sometimes you're not going to overcome. Sometimes you're going to lose. And I don't like to call it losing per se. I rather use the term lesson learned, right? Because, um, like for instance, I got a routine every day. Okay, like all the gurus out there are going to talk about how important gratitude is, and, and you write down, you know, things you're grateful for. Cool, I do that too, and I'm not knocking it because it's helped me tremendously. But one of the things that I do is I, I write down things that I'm grateful for in the morning. I write down things that I'm expecting to get done and accomplish. I'm write down. I write down a couple of things that are potential threats that may derail the day for me. Mm. Right? And then at the end of the day, I'm writing down my wins 
and my lessons learned. Notice I didn't say losses. Mm. We switch out loss for lesson learned. So what are the lessons that I learned today? Well, if you show up late to a customer's job site, they're not going to be happy and mm. they're going to pull the contract from you. Oh, okay. And that could be a loss there too. That is a financial loss, but we need to reframe it because we're not losers. Right. If we continue using the word loss, that, that's us saying, oh, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. No, reframe it with lesson learned. What lesson did I learn out of this shit situation? Mm. Okay, cool. Now I will extract that lesson. Mm. I will keep it in my little diary or my notebook or my Apple notes or whatever you're using, Evernote. I mm. will keep it there. And I'm going to reflect on that if something like this ever pops up again. Also, since I've been tracking my wins each night, when I do have one of those really shitty days where I say, oh, woe is me, and I want to act like a little bitch and call myself a loser, now I have the ability to look at documentation, real proof that I wrote myself that proves that I'm a winner. Oh, look at last week. Look at three days ago. Look at yesterday. Look at all those wins. Mm. And people fuck wins up all the time. Mm. Not that they don't have them. In my experience, I, I find this with people that I coach, uh, clients, like mastermind clients, clients I, I do fractional COO work with, like uh, on-site assessments, like they're all looking for this massive win today. Mm. I need that home run. I need that grand slam. I need to kick it out of the park, whatever. And in my experience, every so often you you get lucky and you'll have a win like that, right? But for the most part, that's not how wins happen. Wins happen and they're little micro wins and they get stacked upon and stacked upon and stacked upon and stacked upon. And then they compound on each other. And then we look back and, and that's when we say, oh, wow, look at this home run I hit today. Mm. Well, actually, homeboy, you didn't hit the home run today, even though society wants us to think we did for that instant mm. gratification. We actually started hitting that home run seven years ago when we started doing these daily actions. Mm. So good, man. So good. Um, I think a lot of time, like at business owner, we are too result focused, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and we tie our self worth to a result. But uh, I found that, especially this this past year, I found that if you tie yourself to the leading indicator, which is the, the action that you do every day and you divorce yourself kind of from the result. I mean, you know, when, when the big win come in, I'm going to celebrate it, but you know, it's, it's, it's because I did the work, you know, but, uh, to me, if you celebrate, Hey, I make 10 contacts today. I, I send 10 videos out today. Hey, uh, I work out today. Hey, I, um, I text my wife today or I call my mom today. Uh, you know, I spend time with my kid today. So those to me is, uh, you should celebrate those things because they're not tasks. They're, they're, they're literally, they're there to build on top of each other. And then, uh, if you are looking for the, the, the result, it's sometimes the result doesn't come yet. Right. It's like right now, like I, I got a sales, uh, I hired a sales guy, uh, a year and a half ago. I mean, this, this kid, he was smart. He was smart in construction, uh, 19 years old, young, got a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, ambition, 
mm-hmm. but he did well. But then you know the 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 the, the summer, the not not the summer, the winter blues kind of carry him away because doesn't you, you people are not in buying mode right now. You know, not when it's fucking snowing outside and it's raining, right? So it's not you per se. Maybe there's some part of it, but just keep doing the action. And then before we strike it big in the spring, he quit. Mm. And then I call all his lead back. I score over $200,000 in deals. Yeah. So if he would just keep going and keep doing that, he probably would have been good right now. Yeah. That was a big, um, a big transition period for me, going from building cars to building businesses. And when you build a deck, you build a car, you work with your hands. At the end of the day, you see the fruits of your labor. <clears throat> you physically see it. You can physically touch it. It's it's legit in front of you, and you can see the progress. And you get that instant you know, dopamine hit like, Oh, cool. We made progress today. Look, we were here this morning at nine o'clock when we started now here at six or seven o'clock, like we're three quarters done. And this thing's looking great. We'll have this project wrapped up by tomorrow. Awesome. And you feel good. You go home. Right. When I started transitioning from building speaker boxes and custom cars to building businesses, I was going in and doing this work every day. And same intensity, like I would actually be more tired at the end of the day because I think working physically tires you more. I'm sorry, working mentally tired tired me more than working physically. Um, and what was what was a uh, like a Debbie Downer for me was I didn't see the tangible results immediately after the day was done. Go put the CRM together. Go build the the email list. Go write the emails. What does your follow-up process look like? Cool. You're doing all this work and you're cranking away. You start social media marketing because all the other gurus are telling you, you got to go do that now too. And now, fuck, man, I got 10 hours a day on socials. And like, you got all of this stuff going on. You're putting all this stuff together. You've got Google Notes upon Google Notes and shits everywhere. And we're making some progress, but we really don't see the tangible result in the business. And the bank account sure as shit doesn't reflect it yet either. And this is when people tend to say, well, building a business, forget it. This, this, this clearly isn't working. And they revert right back to becoming the technician because they can see the tangible result at the end of the day. Oh, Oh, that was really challenging for me to overcome. Uh, I was going to ask you, how did you overcome it? But, uh, is, I think it's, it's a process, right? Yeah. You just gotta learn to love the process. Yeah. And it didn't really hit me until like fuck, maybe a half a year ago, mm-hmm. you know, when I when I listened to um and think Homozi say that, you know, either you do a hundred action or you don't. Either you did it, you don't. You know, either you make a hundred call or you don't, either you post a hundred times or you didn't. You know, there's no like excuse say that this and that, you know, either you did what you say you were going to do or you didn't, you know, so that's either you winning, that's the separate between winning or losing right there. And that like, I'm like, wow, man, like, uh, so he, he also say that 
if you did a hundred action and nothing come of it, good. Yeah. Good. The next hundred action, there's maybe 10 deals that come from it. Mm -hmm. Good. Don't stop. You know, because if you do it from long over a period, enough of time, probability, statistic, whatever you want to call it, it'll, it'll average itself out and it'll remove luck from the equation. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So what advice would you give to a business owner right now in right now, in the time right now in winter? Because I know ain't nobody doing shit right now. Uh, and nobody take, doing shit take right the now. time, take the time to ensure that you're working on you at all. And that's, that's all your all season round. Like we don't give up on that. We don't stop on that. We don't quit on that at all. Period. The end non-negotiable. Uh, and take this time to go work on the business because once the busy season rolls around, you're not going to have time to go and revamp the process because you're too busy being neck deep in the shit, dealing with customers all day, every day. Cool. You know, that season's coming. So sure up the back end processes now while you have the downtime. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so good, man. So how, uh, you are integrated coach. Um, what's, can you define, touch on that a little bit. Can you define what's an integrator is to me mm -hmm. by the definition I'd read Rocky few. To me, that's kind of like a general manager in, in term of, you know, business wise, or is it more, is it less? What more for sure. How you define um, that? If, if you were sitting in a big corporation, you would have the top two people at the company. The CEO would be the visionary and the COO would be the integrator. Um, mm -hmm. Basically the CEO, their job, their duty responsibility is to create the vision and then sell the vision to the team. And at the top of that team is going to be your integrator, your COO. The COO, mm. the integrator, hears this information from the visionary and says, okay, cool. Now I see where you want us to go. Let's establish where we are if we haven't already. And now we're going to reverse engineer a game plan from where we're going to be next year at this time back to right now. What needs mm -hmm. to happen? What buttons need to get pushed? What levers need to get pulled? What systems need to get built and installed into the company? Who do we need to hire? What What are the open seats on the organizational chart for the uh, for the entire operation? Do we have job descriptions and roles in place for those people? Do we have onboarding and training set aside for those roles and those tasks? Right, and the operator, the integrator, is going to build out all of that from a high level. So it's it's across the entire scope of the business. So I don't care what department it is inside of a company, your integrator is going to be involved because if the integrator is doing their job at a high level like they should be, there is going to be flow from one department to the next. So marketing is going to speak to sales. Sales is going to speak to operations or to design, depending upon what you're doing, right? For, for you, during the sales process, you're probably combining in your design because the customer wants to see what this thing's going to look like before they say yes, right? Mm -hmm. um, okay, cool. Once the design and sales phase is done, I'm sure you guys go and put a materials order together. It may take some time to get the material in depending upon what the client's looking for. All right, cool. Now we've received all the materials. Now it's time to schedule the actual deck build. 
right? Mm-hmm. So it's like all those different verticals within the company. And if you look at right. it, if you start breaking it down, inside of a company is a whole bunch of little micro companies. You got marketing, oh, you got sales, you got finances, yeah. you got HR, you got legal, all little micro companies within the company. Yeah, it sucks, man, because like, um, like for, I think for any, I think for construction company, anyway, you, you kind of have to grow mm-hmm. to, to be able to get enough of the spread to hire all this, these people to remove yourself from the company and to have a true business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was running number the other day and I'm like, you know, for me to, to have a truly, you know, well oil machine that have a good general manager set integrator uh, to run it. I need to be at minimum ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. The minimum um, ten million dollar because then um, then we can control all the process, right? You know, bring everything in house. You know, gotta save some money in there uh, instead of uh, having to outsource a bunch of stuff, bunch of stuff. But uh, man, uh, so how how important is it for for a business owner that want to either sell their business or just don't want to work in their business anymore to find the right integrator? Well, I think it's super important. It has a lot to do with what your your priorities are as well. Um, I'm a big fan. I know you've read Rocket Fuel. I have too. They have the integrator, uh, visionary integrator. They call it the VI assessment. I tell everyone, go over to rocketfueluniversity.com and take the VI assessment. It takes you 10, 15 minutes, but it'll, it'll give you an actual score to let you know if you're more visionary, more integrator. And whatever it is, it is. There's, nothing, there's no right or wrong. There's no bad or, or, or good, right? Once we know the data of where our strengths lay or lie, we can then say, okay, cool. Well, I'm really good at operations. However, I'm not the best visionary out there. So Instead of going to hire an operations person, because that's where I actually do really well, do I actually need to bring a visionary in to help grow my company? Because most people don't think that way. Most people are always like, oh, I'm the visionary. I'm going to go hire the integrator to go figure the shit out because I don't want to do it. <laughs> that's, that, that's, I'm going to be brutally honest here with you. Most people are lazy motherfuckers. They don't want to go do the work. Light up. And, um, Man, I got I got a couple of people in my circle that I've worked with and coached over the years who are really good visionaries, right? Who also knew that they weren't ready financially to hire a high-level integrator. So what that required them to do was figure it the fuck out. Okay? And they did. And what they wound up doing was figuring out that, you know what? I am naturally a visionary. I prefer to operate there. But I actually do have some really badass operational skills. And I've, I've watched a couple of my buddies build some really cool stuff, even though that wasn't their, their passion or their, their purpose or their desire. It wasn't their oh. zone in business. Oh. Zone. Oh. So, so the work needs to be done, right? The work needs to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, uh, man. What was your last uh, parting advice we're coming up on top of the hour right here for somebody that uh, stuck in the weed right now and 
now it's winter, right? They they just kind of like sit back, relax, and be like, you know, let's wait until the season kick our ass again. And and I worry about uh, you know putting in processes, system, yeah. and you know marketing all that. Those is not important right now. What would you your advice to them, or maybe a wake up call? I I will say, society's fooling you and keeping you average. Bodies in motion tend to stay in motion, right? I know that from the gym. Mm. You probably do too. It's like, hey, we, mm. we go to the gym. Yeah. We had a straight six weeks. We were there five days a week, and we feel great. And then we decide, you know what? I'm fucking going to sleep in today. And that one day turns into two. That two days turns into three. That three days turns into a whole week. And then we go back to the gym the week after because we're real hard on ourselves. And we suffer for at least a week in the gym because now – Everything that we do, we're getting three times as sore as we've ever been before because we decided to fuck off for a week. So the same thing applies to your business. So you were busy moving and grooving, crazy, crazy season. And you keep saying to yourself, like, oh, man, I can't wait for the season. And I need a break. I need a break. I need a break. The break comes and we take advantage of the break because it's comfortable. And then we sit back and then one week turns into six weeks. Six weeks turns into nine weeks. And then it's like, oh shit, we just got our first call. We got to go, we got to go put the first deck in tomorrow. We got, we got to start. Man, <laughs> you know how hard that first week, the first two or three weeks is going to be for that person to get the gears moving again and, and get the momentum. Like, what if you carry the momentum through the season? What if you still stuck to your schedule and you still got up at the same time? And you still did your morning routine the same way. And instead of you, and you know what? Maybe you don't have to work a full day. But promise yourself you're going to put two or three hours a day into it. And that work could even be in the form of you educating yourself. Because when we educate ourselves, I know this is for me. When we educate ourselves and I learn something new, I have like a massive desire to go implement this new amazing thing that I just learned. Cause I, I know in my heart of hearts, I know in my core and my soul that's going to work. Well, why would I want to well, delay it any further? Let's go get this shit done now and see how good it actually does work. Well, that's so good. man. so the, the speed between idea and implementation is, is so crucial. Right. And, um, and I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer of imperfect action. Oh yeah. Yeah, just, just go do it and see what fucks up, and then we'll yeah. fix it. You yeah, know, like, even if you I, wait I for I the going... perfect time, like you think it's the perfect time, you roll it out or you try it for the first time, something's still gonna be fucked up. But you you wasted <laughs> six weeks between when you had the idea and when you decided to press go. What if you right. would just press uh, go? Like, yeah, maybe you would have had two or three more fuck ups. But you would have had them all ironed out and fixed, and and you would it would be smooth sailing by that six week point. Right, right. Just like uh, when I say I was going to start a podcast, I'm like, you know what? It's just I don't have shit ready yet. Let's just record and see what happens. Put it out there. I I don't know. Let me go research. Oh, you need a podcast host? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, oh, now I know that. Oh, okay, okay. You know, but if I didn't take that first action, I would probably be sitting here right now. What kind of light do I need? Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah what kind of software should I use? Yeah. Need a new computers? Mm-hmm. Need a new camera? I uh, say, so fuck it. You know, if the content is good, I bet you people will listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, man, hey, thank you for coming on. I'm, I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, I want to maybe come to one of your things this year, and I'm sure we'll see each other soon this year. Mm-hmm. Um, God bless you, man. Uh, don't get ice out in Dallas. We get ice <laughs> in right now here in uh, in Omaha. <laughs> yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, yeah, we got uh... – I just set the dates for all of all. Of, so I do, I do quarterly meetups with my clients. Uh, we just set the dates on those. Uh, first one's going to be February 29th and March 1st. I think we're in leap year here or maybe we're not. I don't know. I think it's the 29th and, and March 1st. Um, but in April, I'm going to do a, a live event that's open to the public. Um, I don't, I haven't set the exact date in the venue yet, but that's coming probably within the next couple of weeks, but it'll go out and hit the socials. Um, and, and, you know, people who follow me online, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, they'll be able to find it. And if you want to come and learn some cool stuff, especially when it comes to the operation side of business, I'd love to have them. All right, man. Hey, appreciate you. And, uh, I'll tell you when this published, 